What's up, YouTube family? Welcome to the Link Up Church online experience. We're so glad you've chosen to tune in. Before we jump into today's video, we want to remind you that this channel isn't just for adults. We have content for babies in the Little Linkland section, kids in the Linked Up Kids section, and relevant services for your teenagers from the plug. So grab the whole family because we're about to get started. Be sure to subscribe to this channel so you never miss a video from us. And don't forget to share this video with someone who needs to hear an encouraging message. Let's jump in. Today we're going to talk about practicing His presence. Mm. Practicing His presence. Such an important topic when you're talking about prayer and spending time with God. This is not in your notes, and so make sure that you capture this or go back and listen later on if you missed something. But the word practice means a repeated performance or systematic exercise for the purpose of acquiring skill or proficiency. Proficiency. Of course, we all know the phrase practice makes what? Perfect. Right? The word presence means the state or fact of being present as with others or in a place. And so what God wants us to do is develop a repeated performance or systematic exercise for the purpose of requiring the skill of being in his presence. It's something about knowing that I'm not going through what I'm going through by myself. That's right. That That's comforts right. us. God wants you to leave here today knowing that you are not alone. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And there's nothing that you're going through right now that he's not absolutely going through it with you. Now, let's get into this a little bit. The foundation text, James chapter 4, I want to read verses 7 and 8 out of the Passion Translation. Uh, we're going to read 7 and 8a. Verse 7 says, so then surrender to God. Mm. Stand up to the devil and resist him. So notice you first have to surrender to God before you can stand up to the devil. I mean, no, you don't want to try to stand up to the devil without first surrendering to God. That's right. That's and right. so it's a surrendered life that's able to stand up to God or stand up to the devil and then resist him. And then I love this. And the devil will turn and run away from you. Not because of you, because the devil can see the God in you that you surrendered to. That's right. That's right. So he's no longer seeing you. He's seeing the greater one that's on the inside of you. And he said, I already dealt with him before. He's already kicked my butt. And if he is on their side, I don't want no parts of them. Let me get out of here as fast as I can. Right. We've been running from the devil too long. Amen. The devil is the one that's supposed to be running from us. Let me give you another secret key. Verse 8 says here, move your heart closer to God, closer and closer to God, and he will come even closer to you. Amen. So notice, you're waiting on God, but God is actually waiting on you. God didn't move away from you. You moved away from God. And all God is saying is the closer you move to me, the closer I'm going to move even closer to you. That's right. So this spiritual life is not a measurable product by a dynamic process, right? Everything today needs to be measured by some kind of process, right? Every business model, everything that you're taught today needs to be measured. But we're talking about something completely different here. Walking in God's presence or practicing his presence requires both trusting and training. So we're going to give you information today. I mean, we're also going to take some time to practice his presence. 
right? So often we come to church for the pastor to do something for me. I'm telling you, God can do more in the church service, which you just focusing on his presence, than I can do speaking or we can do speaking for 40 minutes. That's right. We're going to prove that to you on today. That's right. So this guide, and it's not exhaustive, it's going to offer us a few ways to nurture our relationship with God and then heighten our awareness and enjoyment of his consistent presence in our daily lives. That's right. That is so well said. See, one cannot practice the presence of God without going through the sanctification process. That's becoming more like God. You can't be lying and then practicing the presence of God. You can't be fornicating and practicing the presence of God. You can't be arguing practicing the presence of God. Amen? So practicing the presence of God requires the process of sanctification. And guess what? That's a lifelong process. Yep. Becoming more and more like Christ. So how do we practice his presence? How do we practice his presence? Number one, abide. 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 Let me, let me read this. John chapter 15. I'm going to read verses 4 and 5 from the uh, New King James. It says, and then verse, I'm going to skip down to 16 and 17. It says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Say, without Jesus. Without Jesus. I can do nothing. I can do nothing. You did not choose me, but I chose you. Say, I'm chosen. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. I'm chosen. By the Most High. By the Most High. But I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, that you love one another. Understand that he says, when you abide in Christ, and Christ is abiding in you, the sanctification process, I'm evolving to be a better uh, person because I love God. His grace has been so abundant in my life. So I am wanting to be better. I'm wanting to give more. I'm wanting to do more. And when I do those things, then I'm bearing fruit. How does that fruit manifest? By way of loving one another. And it's all connected to now I can ask what I want and have a full expectation of a manifestation of what I've asked for. See, we can't treat the Holy Spirit, like I said earlier, like he's a guest in our house. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's right. In other words, he wants to have free reign. He wants to go in your dirty closet. He wants to rumble through your drawers. He wants to see your unmade bed. He wants to be a part of that basement that's cluttered. He wants free reign in this house because he says, this is my temple. You call Jesus Lord, you have an expectation of heaven, you expect to live for eternity, you want me to answer your prayers and let me flow. Don't limit me to the living room and the guest room. I want to have it all. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. So when you think about that word abide, you're talking about settling down as you just alluded to and taking up residence. That's right. So when we're talking about practicing his presence, how many know you have to remain in him to consistently practice his presence. And God said, as long as you stay connected to that vine, your life is going to be a fruit 
producing factory. That's right. God created you to produce. And God said, because you remain and you settle down and you live in me, you can ask me for whatever you will, and I'll give it to you. That's right. Now, that's not a blank check, right? God is not saying a blank check. God knows that if you abide in him, you're only going to ask for things that are according to his word. And God said, when you ask for something according to what I already desire for you, man, I'm going to give you whatever so you ask for. that means I'm attaching myself to joy, not depression. I'm attaching myself to peace, not despair. Mm -hmm. I'm attaching myself to patience, not anger. Mm -hmm. I'm attaching myself to kindness, not being mean and selfish. So, you know, and I'm just going to say this. I just got on my daddy. I love my daddy, John Davenport. I love you. But he can't, my, uh, my father, I was telling him, you don't own the diabetes. Stop saying my diabetes, my blood pressure, my heart disease, my anxiety, my depression. If that's what you want to stay attached to, understand you can't stay attached to that. And then you're going to flourish in this. It's okay, it's one thing to have been diagnosed with that, but you should be running away from that and not using that as a convenient excuse for whatever is going on in your life. If you don't want sickness, don't want sickness. Chase after peace, chase after healing, chase after joy, chase after all that he has attached to you. Attach yourself to that, and you'll find that the progress away from this will be that much more. So good. Let's look at number two, right? When we're talking about practicing his presence, it's going to look like loving God, loving self, and loving neighbor. So there was a big movement, right, that swept across the country, love God, love people, right? But if you really look at the context, it's really not love God, love people. It's love God, love yourself, and then love people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, you're going to actually love people the way that you love yourself. That's right. You're never going to love another individual better than you love yourself. Mm. And that starts with loving God first, right, and receiving his love for you. Let's read it and let the text bear that out. So really, in context, is love God, love yourself, and then love other people. Let's read it. In Matthew chapter 22, 37 through 40, it says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. That is God's perfect will for all of our lives is that we love him with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind. God wants all of us and not just some of us. And then it says, this is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor. What's those next two words? As yourself. So the understanding there is that you first love yourself so that you can love your neighbor the way that you love yourself. Believe it or not, folks, we treat other people the way we treat ourselves. And so when you see someone treating someone else bad, it's because they treat themselves bad. Right? Hurting people do what? They hurt other people, right? And so you've got to understand the first thing you've got to do is love God. When you love God with everything that you have, you in turn take that love and you love yourself the way that you love God. 
That's right. And then when you love yourself the way that you love God and the way that he loves you, you let that flow out to everyone that you come in contact with. Now, the stuff that they do doesn't matter as much because you know how much God loves you and you know how much you love yourself. So what they're talking about really doesn't amount to a heel of being. That's Somebody right. ought to give God some glory for That's that. That's right. One thing about people is that they always have opinions. They will say something about everything. Doesn't really matter what you do. Someone will have something to say about it, good, bad, or indifferent. But what is God saying about you? What are you saying about yourself? Because that's all that matters at the end of the day. And if people love that, praise God. If people don't love that, praise God. That's right. That's right. That's so good. Um, number three, the right mindset. How do we cultivate the presence of God? The right mindset. Romans chapter, five, chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, in your notes is in the New King James Version, but I really love it the way it's stated in the Passion Translation. So let me read it to you. Can I read it to you? Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6, it says, Those who are motivated by the flesh only pursue what benefits themselves. But those who live by the impulses of the Holy Spirit are motivated to pursue spiritual realities. In other words, it's not a Sunday spiritual view. It's a biblical worldview 24-7. He says in verse 6, For the mindset of the flesh is death, but the mindset controlled by the Spirit finds life and peace. Finds life and peace. The New Living Translation used the term sinful nature. He says those that are motivated by the sinful nature pursue those things that benefit themselves. Now, so what does that translate to? Selfishness motivated by the flesh. Yep. Sex before marriage, motivated by the flesh. Always got something to say, motivated by the flesh. Control issues, motivated by the flesh. God, uh, people pleasers more than God pleasers, motivated by the flesh. Won't forgive until they apologize, motivated by the flesh. Won't apologize, motivated by the flesh. Ooh, here's one. We'll go to work in the grocery store, but won't go to church, motivated by the flesh. Didn't get any good amens on that one right there. Say amen online, laying in your bed under that comfortable, comfortable right now. <laughs> so having the right mindset <laughs> yes. puts you in the perspective of God. Yes. When, we, when you choose to go high and everybody else is choosing to go low, the right mindset. Yes. It says, as a man thinketh, so is he. So when you understand that you are God's mosaic, you are his Picasso, you are the master's piece, then you can put yourself in the right mindset and then not everyone is attacking you and trying to get something from you because they can't because God is constantly filling you. That's so good. So when you talk about then the right mindset in practicing the presence of God, you've got to be spiritually minded. That's right. You know, I know when I was 22, when I first got saved, I used to always ask myself, why do I always think these freaky thoughts? Well, I mean, you know, I, my mind was set on freaky music. And then I'd go home and watch freaky videos on BET. So if my mind is set on freaky things, I'm going to have freaky thoughts. And then when I have freaky thoughts, I have freaky behavior. With your own freaky self. Yeah, and see, now instead of saying, that's the devil making me do it, I mean, no, that's my own freaky self making myself do it because of what my mind is set on. That's right. 
So I know, learned immediately, let me cut off that. Let me get rid of the music. Hello, somebody. And let me now set my mind on, on some, some spiritual things. And I noticed when I set my mind on Christian television and wholesome things and good things, and I changed the music that I was listening to, I noticed the freaky thoughts. They, they didn't all go away. But they weren't as strong as they used to be. Come on, somebody out here say amen. They no longer had power over me. We don't mind some freaky thoughts. In marriage, freaky thoughts should happen all the time. But let's get back to the message. Number four. Number four, walk in the Spirit. Now, when we're talking about walking in the Spirit, again, as it relates to practicing His presence, we're talking about habitually ordering our steps a certain way, on purpose and creating the habit of walking and living a certain way. Let's look at Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, and let's challenge our the uh, theology one more time, right? We've all been taught there are nine gifts to the Spirit, right, or fruits of the Spirit. Is that correct? Believe it or not, there's actually one fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. It shows up. And that one fruit of the Spirit manifests itself eight different ways. Mm -hmm. Let's read Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 through 22, and, or 16, and, and then we'll drop down to 22, verses 25. It says, as you, I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, it says, as you yield, there's that word again, something you have to do, as you yield freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. Mm. Isn't that good? As you yield and surrender freely and fully to the dynamic life and power of the Holy Spirit, you will abandon the cravings of your self-life. Verse 22 says, but the fruit of the Spirit, or but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is what? Divine, Divine love. You'll notice fruit there is singular and not plural, right? It did not say, but the fruits of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love. How I many you know God is love? That's right. So what he's telling you is love is the fruit, and when you develop in love, it'll express itself eight different ways. And let's look at how it begins to express itself. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love, because God is love. And all of its various expressions, joy that overflows. How I many know when I know how much God loves me, how I many know my joy is going to overflow, right? With joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, really doesn't matter what I'm going through. I mean, no, I can stay under and remain and still give God glory, still keep my joy, still know that he loves me because I know I'm coming out on the other side of this victorious. That's right. right? When you know how much God loves you, you can endure just about anything. It says here, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails. Think about it. Faith works by what? Love. How does faith work? Faith works by love. So once again, gentleness of heart, strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. So in other words, there is no end to the level of growth you can achieve in God's love and how he wants to express that love eight different ways. Verse 24. 24, keep in mind that we who belong to Jesus, the anointed one, have already experienced crucifixion. For everything connected with our self-life was put to death on the cross, 
cross and crucified with the Messiah. Verse 25, we must live in the Holy Spirit and follow after him. That's right. Number five, seek things above. Seek things above. I love this scripture. I love, love, love this scripture because it is a foundation scripture of linked up church. Colossians chapter three, verses one and two. Now this is in the Amplified. It says, therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to a new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, keep seeking the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focus habitually, habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on things that are on the earth which have only temporal value. And I can, you know, and oftentimes when I'm riding on an airplane, I think of linked up church and I think of the scripture because, you know, when we're on the airplane and you're seated, how many of you have ridden the airplane? Most of you have. So when you're seated on an airplane, you know, everything is real time. Everything is real size, right? Actual size. But then as you take off and you start ascending, and you're looking at, I love the window seat. And as you start ascending, things on the earth get smaller and smaller and smaller. That's good. But yet you still feel big. The trees, you're above them. The tall buildings, you're above them. In fact, you're looking down on the clouds. And when your mind is set on the things above, the things that are on the earth just seem smaller. That's right. Problems are smaller. That's right. Situations are smaller. That's good. Your quote then becomes, this too shall pass. Yeah. Your quote then becomes, I am more than a conqueror. That's Your good. quote then becomes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Because you realize that when your mind is set up on heavenly things, that this right here, my response is what's eternal. The situation isn't. That's so good. That's so good. So good. Excellent. Number six. Choose joy, pray always, and be thankful. Mm. So if we're going to practice his presence, how I many of you know we have to choose joy? Joy. Joy is a choice. It is a fruit and ex an expression of the Holy Spirit. How I many know it's not based off of your circumstances? You can have joy 24 hours a day, seven days a week, regardless of what's going on in your life. We can practice joy right now. <laughs> Put a big smile on your face. Just say glory to God. Glory say to God. Say hallelujah. Type it online. Say, I choose joy. That's right. <laughs> it's something so powerful about saying, regardless of what I'm facing, I choose joy. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18 out of the Passion Translation says, let joy be your continual feast. In other words, eat it all day long, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I love this expression right here. Never let the devil steal your joy. Mm -hmm. Don't ever let the devil steal your joy because the Scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. That's right. So notice, when he steals your joy, he also steals your strength. So don't never let him have your joy. Don't ever let people get you down. Don't let people get to you. And I don't care how close they are to you. You, got, you have to look them in the face and say, you know what? You're not getting ready to take my joy today. Yeah. And then you, right there, you just need to rejoice right in front of them and say, glory to God. Hallelujah. God is good anyway. Anyway. It says, let joy be your continual feast. Choose joy. Make your life a prayer. Pray always. 
Talk to God all day at different times throughout the day. Talk right. to God about everything. And I love this. In the midst of everything, be always willing or be always giving. That's Ebonics, isn't it? Be always giving thanks. Something didn't sound right about it. <laughs> but it's in there, so we'll read it the way it's written, That's right? Proper. And in the midst of everything, be always giving thanks. For this is God's perfect plan for you in Christ Jesus. Amen. Can we just be always giving God thanks right now? Come on, can we just open up our mouths and just give God thanks always? Come on, do it. Do it yes, by Father, faith. I don't care you. what you're going through online, in the building. Just be thankful right now. God, we thank you. We magnify you. We glorify you. We will yes. be thankful in the midst of every situation that life throws at us because you are good. Type it in online. Type it in. I'm thankful. Yes. Something about being thankful that produces increase in your life. Yes. When you thank God for what you have, it softens God's heart to release more into your life. That's right. That thing about joy, the world didn't give it to you. And the world can't take it away. Number seven, be determined and disciplined. Be determined and disciplined. Hebrews chapter 12. Now, mind you, Hebrews 11 is just talking about the Faith Hall of Fame. And now we're at the beginning of he Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The message translation says it very plainly. He says, do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. No parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed, that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, the cross, shame, whatever. And now he's there in this place of honor, right alongside God. When you find yourselves flagging in your faith, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility that he plowed through. That should shoot adrenaline straight into your souls. That's so good. When you, when you see, when you quote, when you remember that Jesus says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. Understand that no matter where you are, he's there. That's right. If we're conscious to be disciplined in that area, if we're determined to acknowledge him, if we're determined to press beyond what we see and see with our spiritual eyes that he's present, not only him, but a doggone legion of angels. Yes. In many situations, we would behave a whole lot differently. We wouldn't shudder in the face of circumstances when we realize and look with our spiritual eyes how many angels are on assignment and waiting to be dispatched specifically for us. Yeah. You know, talking about heroes in the faith, talking about legends and people who've done uh, pioneers. You know, we're celebrating this weekend Dr. Martin Luther King, and I thought it appropriate to quote this quote, that, uh, to, to uh, speak this quote that he was uh, noted as saying. He says, in the process of gaining our rightful place. Now, of course, he's talking about the civil rights movement and what was going on during that time, but how many know that we have a right, rightful place in righteousness, period? He says, we must not be guilty of wrongful deeds. Let us not seek to satisfy our thirst for freedom by drinking from the cup of bitterness and hatred. We must forever conduct our struggle on the high plane of dignity and discipline. Practicing God's presence has to be intentional. 
in the face of all distraction, you got to remind yourself that he's there. So good. Number eight, stay focused on the goal. Now, I know you all have life goals and different things. But, you know, the greatest goal you should have in your life, I'm going to give you the greatest goal you should have, and that is to be Christ-like. That one goal will really take care of every other goal that you have in your life. That's right. But the number one goal, if you don't have it as one, I'm giving it to you right now, is to be more Christ-like. Let's read uh, Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, and I'll read from the message translation. You know, I'm an athlete, former coach. I had the actual privilege of being the chaplain for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on yesterday via Zoom call. And so they play the saints tonight. So we're going to see if what God used me to speak into their life helps them on the field later on today. We'll see. We'll see. But staying focused on the goal, right? How many of y'all want to be more Christ-like? Well, again, the coach in me says I need to get up every day then and do something that is towards the goal of being more Christ-like. I've got to make winning plays every single day. I've got to do something today that says I want to be more Christ-like. Right? Look at what Philippians says. Paul says here in verse 12, I'm not saying that I have this all together, and none of us do, that I have it made, but I am well on my way. Well on your way towards what, uh, Paul? Reaching out for Christ, who has so wonderfully reached out for me. Do you think it's a wrong, do you think it's wrong for us to try to live our lives with the same intensity that he died for us with? Imagine if we lived with the same intensity that he went to the cross on our behalf. And that's all he's asking for is, will you live the way that I died for you? Right? And that should be our goal, to be more like him. Notice what it says. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal. What is the goal, Paul? Where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. He said, I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. Mm -mm. So let's keep focus on that goal. How I many you know that's one goal, which is to be more Christ-like? Those of us who want everything God has for us, if any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. That's right. Folks, I want to challenge anyone out here today that needs a job, anyone that's believing God for a spouse, anyone that needs healing, anyone that needs anything from God. Don't seek your healing. Don't seek a spouse. Don't seek a job. Seek God. Seek God. God promises you if you'll keep him first, he'll add all of the rest of that stuff onto you. That's right. See, the problem, we get depressed and we get so disappointed with ourselves because we're out trying to do everything instead of just pursuing him. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean I don't stop pursuing getting my life together, but I don't pursue that above him. Well, pursuing him is getting your life together. Yeah. So, so one of my mentors literally said it to me like this. You know, he said, you want to know God's will for your life? This is a true story. I said, do you want to know God's will for your life? I said, yes. Everybody wants to know God's will for their lives, right? You know what he told me? He said, just grow in your personal relationship with God. Amen. Pursue him every day of your life, and you'll find his will for your life. Amen. And now that I've been saved 31 years, it's interesting that I've never had a job that I applied for. 
When I got hired at Ford Motor Company, I was playing basketball in the gym. When I was asked to come into the ministry full-time, I was at home playing Tecmo Bowl with my brother. <laughs> I'm telling on myself now, Tecmo Bowl, that is so like, old. What's that? But I'm at home playing uh, with my brother, video games with my brother. Atari. Atari, whatever it was, playing video games. And every ministry opportunity that I've ever had in 27 years of full-time ministry, I did not look for it. I didn't look for linked up church. You all actually came and got me. I promise you, I had left the building. Praise Not God, but man, I just, I mean, everybody been there before, right? Where you're like, you know what? Oh, okay, all right. It's time for me to head in a different direction, right? But you all love God so much that you didn't allow God's will to stop in my life. And that's why I will be forever grateful and eternally grateful to you all. You want to know God's will for your life? Pursue him and transform and make your life as close to his as you possibly can. He'll show you everything. That's right. That's right. All too often we think God's will is a job description, a career, a financial status. God's will for your life will always land with who you are, and you will prosper based off of the character of who you are and how he wired you and whatever he puts you in. So good, babe. Number nine, stay positive. Stay positive. You know, we're always looking for quotes and something uh, nice to put on our journal or on our social media wall. Here's a quote for you. You know, Holy Spirit was just dealing with me about this, and, and this is exactly what he said to me. He says, the weight of negativity is too much to bear in the face of so much opportunity. The weight of negativity is too much to bear in the face of so much opportunity. That's good. And our attitude illuminates the potential of those opportunities through the lens of positivity. Our attitude illuminates the potential of those po opportunities through the lens of positivity. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9 in the message, I love the way Paul puts it. Now, mind you, Paul is in prison. He is in prison, and it's not a regular old prison like today. And in fact, today's worst prison will be considered a palace compared to what he was because the bottom of that prison is filled with human waste. It's part of the waste system there. And so he's saying in verses 6 through 9, uh, yeah, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, Again, pray, pursuing God. He says, before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Summing it all up, friends, you, I say you'll, be, you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on things true, things noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, beautiful, not ugly, things to praise and not things to curse. Put into practice, again, intentionality. Put into practice what you learned from me, what you heard and saw and realized. Do that. And God who makes things work together will work you into his most excellent harmonies. Now, you know, we, when Dr. Leaf was here, for those of you that were here, Dr. Leaf was letting us know, and psychologists say it all the time, we, can, we have a new thought coming into our mind every 10 seconds. A new thought coming into our mind every 10 seconds. And so when you see something, when you sense something negative going on in your mind, all you got to do is just capture that thought. Scripture and scientists and doctors tell you that you can reprogram your thinking. You just have to want to do it. 
That which is good have to be so much greater than that which is negative. So when you choose positivity, then you choose to have hope. You choose to have faith. You choose to succeed. You choose to be able. You choose to be empowered. You choose to trust. And because we've lived in such a society where people have been victimized by so many other people, we have issues trusting. So therefore, our front line is negativity. You gotta re we got to recapture that and reset and choose positivity. So Amen. Good. So good. Somebody say, I'm a positive person. You know, PMA. What does PMA stand Ooh, that's for? Young Chad Davenport right there. Have a what? Positive mental, mental attitude. attitude about everything. Mm -hmm. You know, she talked about trauma. You know, believe it or not, I was hesitant to marry her because I didn't trust nobody. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? Man, you grow up, man, relationships are tough. Anybody learn that? Right? And, of course, I'd never seen a healthy anything in my life, right? I'd never seen a healthy anything in my life in terms of a relationship. So I'm in the back, literally, trying to have them talk me out of getting married. <laughs> True story. Not because she wasn't a great woman that she is, but I just let all the negativity of past relationships make me believe that how long before that shows up in this situation. Now, imagine if I don't change my attitude, we don't enjoy 20, going on 24 years of what we're experiencing right now. I, I'm sharing this to help somebody out here today. When you go into a relationship negative, you create all the negativity that exists in it. Mm -hmm. That's for somebody watching online, somebody in this room. Change your mindset. Become positive. You're going to get more positive results. Number 10, and we'll close right here for today. Somebody say, God's with me. God's with me. Do you all really believe that? Yes. I'm talking about with you. Would you fear anything if you knew he was with you? Hmm? Would you believe you weren't going to eat if you, I mean, you know he's with you? Think about that for a moment. God's with you. Not just in church on Sunday morning. <laughs> God's with you. Wherever you go, he goes. One of the greatest things, and I'll share this story very quickly. You all remember the ice storm about seven, eight years ago? Well, I was with my children, so it was just me and my two kids. And at this time, they are in the eighth grade and sixth grade. Mm -hmm. So they are 13 and 11. And we are stuck on the ramp of the freeway for 14 hours. Now, what saved me here is I had an electric hybrid. So the car wasn't burning much gas. It was a Chevy Volt, wasn't burning much gas at all. And so I'm sitting there, I can keep the car warm, but it got about, mm, I'd say about 11 o'clock at night. And how many know the kids are getting cold? So there was a Marriott right there on the hill. So we go inside the Marriott, and everyone is in the Marriott. No rooms, no nothing. Homeless people. It is a madhouse in here. And so my kids and I, people are all on the floor. This is literally how you have to walk through there. My daughter goes in the bathroom and she says, Dad, there's a naked woman in there. There are a couple of naked women in there. And they're just having a, they're just going crazy. I said, oh, Jesus. You know, because it's all, they let everybody in. They let Homeless every, who, people, you know. Whoever wanted to come in could get in there this night. Now, it's going to sound far-fetched to you, but this is a true story. I literally prayed 
because I didn't have a weapon on me. I literally prayed, and I asked God to protect me and my kids that night. So we walked through all of these people, and I look inside of a, uh, what's called conference a, what are those rooms room, called? Conference room. No one's in the conference room. I opened the door, me and my kids go in there, and we went to the far end, and we laid up on the podium, and we laid down and went to sleep. Listen to this. Not one person came in that conference room that night. Let me tell you what I personally believe. An angel stood by that door and said, no one can go in here. I honestly believe this with all of my heart. Knowing my kids will verify this story. My daughter wakes up at 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock in the morning, and I believe the Spirit of God moved on her heart. And she said, Daddy, we should go now. And, of course, this is a, a kid, right? So I'm like, God speaking through her. And so I listened to her. We literally go to the car, and, and because everybody else was sleeping, no cars were moving, and we grew up in Michigan, I actually know how to drive in ice and snow. Man, I zoomed around all of these cars parked, sitting to the side, went all the way home, and we were home by 4 o'clock that morning and went to sleep untouched and undisturbed the entire night. <laughs> Let me tell you why. Because God was with us. That's right. That's right. Folks, God is with you. Let's read today. Let's let these uh, scriptures comfort us. Romans 8.31 says, So what does all this mean? If God is determined to stand with us, tell me who then could ever stand against us? That's right. For God has proved his love by giving us his greatest treasure, the gift of his son. And since God freely offered him up as a sacrifice for us all, he certainly won't, without, or he won't withhold from us anything else he has to give. Do you understand what God is saying? If he gave you his son, there's nothing else that he will ever withhold from you. That's right. And when you know he's with you, then you know that whatever you're lacking he is more than capable of providing. Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6, the Passion Translation says, Don't be obsessed with money, but live content with what you have, for you always have God's presence. I know you won't hear this a lot, especially in churches, but God's presence is more valuable than money. I'll say that again. God's presence is more valuable than money. I'll say it again until I get a better amen in here. God's presence is more valuable than money. That's right. That's right. I'll say it again until I get a better amen in this place. I said God's presence is better than money. But notice we get sad when we don't have money. When we don't understand that if I have his presence, the money is getting ready to show up. That's right. For he has promised us that he will never leave you alone, never. And I will not loosen my grip on your life so that we can say with confidence, I know the Lord is for me and, will and I will never be afraid of what people may do to me. Amen. The King James Version says we can say with confidence that I know the Lord is my helper. 
Somebody say it with confidence right now. Say, I know, I know with great confidence, great confidence that, the Lord that the Lord is for me. Is for Come me. on, say it again. I know, I know with great confidence, great confidence that the Lord, the Lord is, for me. is for me. Do you all believe that today? Well, go ahead and just lift your hands and give God glory. Come on, do it online with great confidence. Know that God is with you. He'll never leave you. He'll never abandon you, and he will never forsake you. And folks, listen to me. His presence is more valuable than money. That's right. If I don't have money, but I have his presence, I'm doing better than yes. if I had money without his presence. Amen. Oh, you all didn't catch that. I said, if I don't have money, but I have his presence, I'm doing better than the person that has money but does not have his presence. And I promise you, if I stay in his presence long enough, it won't be long until I have more money than the person who is, uh, has money but doesn't have his presence. God is a just God. He will always make things right. As we conclude today, when you draw near to God, he promises to draw near to you. James chapter 4, verse 8, we just read that, says that when we draw closer and closer to God, he draws even closer to us. And we're getting ready to give you an opportunity to practice this for a few moments. The music department is going to come. We're just going to take a few moments to draw close to God and get near to him and watch him come near to you. And I'm going to give you a scripture here that you can take away from here that you can use for the rest of your life. Our goal and our prayer for your life is that even in the most ordinary parts, God becomes extraordinary because you're infused with his presence. That's right. And it is there in his presence you'll find fullness of joy no matter what's going on in your life. Put Psalm 16, stanza 11 up on the screen for me. Notice what this verse says. You will show me the path of life in your presence. See, so many of us are trying to figure out what's the next step, what's the next move. Notice what he promised you here. You will show me the path of life where? In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's all stand to our feet. As we draw our hearts closer to him, my heart's prayer for you today is that you will experience his closeness to you. Whatever questions, whatever you need answers to, he's going to reveal those to you right in his presence. Let's just take a few moments to draw close to him.
Just lift your hands up to the Father right now. And I just want us to get quiet before the Lord for a few moments. Just quiet down your mind, quiet down your heart. And let's just listen for a little while. Whatever he speaks to you after we close, make sure that you write it down. Just take a few moments to listen in his presence.
Praise God. I want, you want, I want you all to begin doing at the end of your times of prayer, the end of your times of worship, learn how to quiet yourself down and just listen. He'll begin to show you the paths of life. He'll begin to answer questions, give you direction. You'll know what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. Yes. I believe we do too much talking to God and not enough listening. So learn how to practice this, just being still, just sitting there, quieting everything down, and listening. I would encourage you to go through these points again because oftentimes the hardest place to be is by ourselves alone with our own thoughts because it's been filled with so much negativity, so much controversy, so much anti-Christ-like thinking. So you have to practice evicting the enemy from your thoughts so that you can receive and hear what God has to say. Praise God. I mean, y'all can sense the presence of God in here. Do you sense God drawing closer to you as you're drawing closer to him? See, it's never you waiting on God. It's always waiting, God waiting on you to come, and then God comes even closer to you. Mm-hmm. So don't be afraid of that because it's such blessing and joy and favor when you're close to God and you know that God is close to you. If you're in this building today or you're watching online, that is the answer that you're looking for. That's right. You've been looking for God in all the wrong places. And I'm telling you, if you just find God, you'll actually walk into what it is you thought you were looking for. And in most cases, when God is involved, it's going to be better than what you actually thought you wanted. And so while you're in this building today and you're in an attitude of prayer, I believe God is speaking to hearts in this room and God is speaking to hearts online. What you want is more of God. And we want to give you an opportunity to experience that today. So if you don't have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, would you allow me to pray with and for you today? Remember, God loves you, and he wants to be an intricate part of your life. God wants your life to come together the way you see it coming together. But it starts with him being the Lord of your life. So if that's you, you're not saved, you're not born again, I want to pray with and for you. Secondarily, you might say, Pastor, I am saved but I am not in right standing with God. I'm out of fellowship. I'm in a backsliding state. I want to come back. I want to rededicate my life to God. On last week, we had 29 people baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, Bible evidence of praying in other tongues. If you want to learn more about that gift today, we certainly can make that available to you as well. And finally, if you don't have a church home, but you believe God has led you here to Linked Up Church. We'll be so happy to receive you. And so I've given four invitations in the room today. Two of those invitations apply online. So if you're watching online, and then I'll circle back around in the room. If you're watching online, you want to give your heart to Christ, or you want to come back to Christ, I want you to repeat this prayer after me. And I want everyone in the room to pray this prayer right along with them. Lift up one hand towards heaven and repeat this prayer after me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe, I believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Is the Son of God. I, believe I believe that He died, died rose from the grave, from the and grave. He is alive right now. Alive right Lord, now. Jesus, Lord Jesus, come into my heart, into my and heart. Save, me now. save me now. As a result, 
of what I've confessed with my mouth, what I believe in my heart. I am right now born again and in right standing with God. All my sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give them just a big round of applause? Give God honor and glory for them right now. You prayed that prayer sincerely from your heart online. Take your next steps and text Get Connected to 94090. We have people that are standing by that will follow up with you. We also have a gift that we would love to get into your hands, but you have to take that next step. Don't be afraid to do it. God loves you, and we love you too. Text Get Connected to 94090. Or maybe all you can do is text in, I prayed that prayer. Someone on our media team, they'll see that and respond accordingly. Get that into the right hands of the right people, and we will follow up with you. Thank you so much for watching our online service. We certainly don't take that for granted. And if you enjoyed today's message and you want to get connected with us, we encourage you to become a part of our online community. That's right, and you can do that by subscribing to our YouTube channel, sharing this video with a friend, and following us on social media. Don't forget to meet us right here on this channel every Sunday for our services. If you desire to help us reach more people just like yourself and advance the kingdom of God, then click the Give button now. This will allow us to connect more people to God, their families, their purpose, and their communities. Thank you again for watching our service on today, and we'll, we'll see, see you next week. week.